Welcome to One of Those Times in a Life, sharing songs and stories around the virtual campfire. At this campfire, Fantasyland. The choice is up to you and the choice is up to me. If we don't put a little faith in humanity, then all the king's horses and all the king's men won't put the world back together, together again. That's the chorus of All the King's Horses, a song I wrote in 1970 that the Brothers Four recorded in early 1971. It's something to have arrived now, at one of those times in a life, and look back at that time, when after a little over two years I was getting ready to leave the Brothers Four and seek fame and fortune as a singer and a songwriter. On one hand, it looks like a silly decision now by a 23-year-old kid who was in a great spot and didn't know it, the same kid who should have bought his first house in Seattle in 1969 when a nice house in a good neighborhood went for less than 20 grand, when due to yet another Boeing downturn, the most famous billboard in town was last one out of town, turn out the light. The same kid who should have tried to find a way to complete his college education instead of dropping out and so somehow becoming haunted by the fact that he was the first in his generation to not get a college degree. And of course, I never should have picked up that first cigarette at 22 years old. And if I'd been that smart, I would have also bought lots of Microsoft stock when it first went public, and Apple shares when Steve Jobs got his dream job back, and I wouldn't have spent so much time every year believing the Seattle Mariners and the Chicago Cubs were just a player or two away from meeting in the World Series. Running the risk of sounding like Donald Rumsfeld when he tried to explain the Iraq War, the truth is if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't know what I know now. What I know now is how important it is to not forget to forgive while remembering the hardest person for me to forgive has often been myself. I also know now how important it is to look for the humor in life and when possible find a way to laugh, especially at myself. Of course it's not as hard being philosophical about leaving the Brothers Four after two years when I've been back with the group now for nearly 30 to reflect on times like those when I'm looking out the window of a house I own that feels like home. When I've learned that a college degree is nice and important, but shouldn't and doesn't need to be how we define ourselves. And when it's been almost 30 years since I smoked my last cigarette. Once there lived midst walls and fear a childhood's gentle unlocked kingdom, a tiny world of trust and touching ruled by brotherhood and caring. And one could hear the Prince of Peace declare, the choice is up to you and the choice is up to me. If we don't put a little faith in humanity, 
been all the king's horses and all the king's men won't put the world back together together again it's easier to look back on those first brothers four years than to be in the midst of them The first six months with the group, I crashed with guys from the fraternity who were living off campus, finishing their senior years. When they graduated, I moved in with my younger brother and one of his friends. We lived in a couple of places near the university. And while reading didn't come easy for me growing up, I began doing a lot of it then. I would go into bookstores and buy half a dozen books, say, by Ernest Hemingway or John Steinbeck. I read Look Homeward Angel by Thomas Wolfe and ended up trading it to a friend of mine for Report to Greco by Nikos Kazantzakis. I became enchanted by the way Kazantzakis looked at life and described life, and so I bought half a dozen of his books, including Zorba, the Greek. I read Albert Camus and Hermann Hesse and Jean-Paul Sartre. I didn't have a context or enough life experience to understand lots of it, but at the same time, I was learning how to learn. The other three guys in the Brothers Four, all in their 30s, had young families, established ways of doing things. They couldn't have been nicer to work with, and we did a couple of weeks each of those years as headliners at the Princess Hotel in Hamilton, Bermuda. A delightful coincidence, because I'd worked at the Princess during the Christmas of 1966 as a youth director, entertaining kids whose parents had come to Bermuda for the holidays. And then the summer of 1968, I'd stopped by the Princess with a group of New York inner city kids who I was taking around the island on scooters the summer I worked in New York City. And now I was in the showroom of the Princess, one of the headliners. The Brothers Four were singing at the Princess Hotel in April of 1970 during the Apollo 13 incident. There were nearly hourly updates, and there were cheers when the astronauts got safely home. Watching Ron Howard's wonderful movie years later brought me back to those gripping days. When the Brothers Four left Columbia Records, a friend of the group was working for Fantasy Records in the Bay Area, and we signed with them. For years, Fantasy, known also as Fantasy Galaxy, had a small jazz label known also for their Lenny Bruce catalog and for releasing LPs in colored vinyl instead of simply black. And in the mid-60s, Fantasy had signed a group from Cerritos, California, called the Blue Velvets, who quickly changed their name to the Gollywogs. And then in 1967, a guy named Saul Zantz bought the company, and the group changed its name again, and released an old song called Suzy Q under their newest name, Credence Clearwater Revival. The Brothers Four recorded an album called 1970 at Wally Hydra's studio in San Francisco, where the engineer told stories about working with Crosby, Stills, and Nash on their first album. And we'd occasionally run into guys from Credence or see Jerry Garcia in the alley, We had a young producer named Ed Bogus who was very talented and creative. The album has Indian tabla percussion sounds, and Ed did things like record cymbals and play them backwards. Unlike their Columbia recording, we played our own instruments. Saul Zantz and the office staff came into the studio to sing the choruses of a Flanders and Swan song called Hippopotamus. 
A friend of mine knew all the rising stars, and so I brought songs for us to consider, songs by John Sebastian of The Loving Spoonful, and a couple of newcomers, Neil Diamond and James Taylor. I also remember developing an anxiety in the studio at that time that stuck around in some form for nearly 30 years. Shortly after the Brothers Four signed with Fantasy, Saul's aunts decided to concentrate on making movies, and the friend who had signed the Brothers Four was offered a severance package of money or a small percentage of the first two movies that Saul would produce. He took the percentage of the movies. The movies would become One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Amadeus. One day they asked a locked up kingdom Come and join them in their feasting And to see if more men saw That fear and hate and pride and lying And gold and guns breed too often dying The choice is up to you And the choice is up to me If we don't put a little faith in humanity Then all the king's horses and all the king's men Won't put the world back together, together again If it's okay, I'd like to stop for a moment and step out of the story. Even though it's called storytelling, a good story is more about showing about activating our senses, letting us discover different times and places, bringing people real and imagined to life and into our lives, and perhaps for a moment even letting us become someone else, or at least letting us know what it's like to truly walk in someone else's shoes. At their best, that's what I want these Campfire Chronicles to do. I also promised myself when I started this journey that these stories, that this story, would not intentionally hold or keep secrets. At the same time, I've discovered as I've searched for ways to share this story that keeping certain things private does not make them secrets. That while life and life stories certainly contain pain and suffering, that doesn't mean that we should ever intentionally hurt those we love or make them suffer simply for the sake of our story. So the truth is, I could not comfortably speak publicly about my father's depression when he was alive. I don't believe I could freely talk about it now if my father's own words on his depression had not been unexpectedly read at his memorial. It was also essential before this story began to talk with my mother and my two brothers about how I hoped to tell this story and to promise them I would do all I could to keep their private stories private. With that in mind, let me say that after I'd been with the brothers for a year, there was an event involving my family where I began to realize my father's depression and hospitalization, revealed to me only a year earlier, were not single or simple isolated events, but part of a greater inheritance that involved illnesses of the mind and secrets that surrounded them. It would take me 40 years to fully appreciate and truly understand my relationship with such an inheritance, 
and to begin to share what I discovered around these campfires. But declared the world of fearing They must learn reality's ways of living Let's destroy them so we save them Lest we never learn to fear them And one could hear a dying child cry The choice is up to you And the choice is up to me If we don't put a little faith in humanity Then all the king's horses and all the king's men Won't put the world back together, together again Besides having to learn about laughter and forgiveness, at 23 I also needed to learn how to reconcile conflicting and contradictory ideas and somehow in their dissonance discover harmony. The most challenging, of course, was where to put and what to do with all the new information I was learning about my dad and my family. I also couldn't see a way of growing as a solo artist and remaining a member of the Brothers Four. In 1969, I marched around the White House to protest the Vietnam War, and a few months later, the Brothers Four sang at the White House. I was the one in the rented tux, trying unsuccessfully to connect those two experiences. We toured the upstairs of the White House that night, and in the Lincoln bedroom saw a portrait of President Lincoln and his long-haired, bearded generals. We wondered out loud if they were trying to figure out what to do with the short-haired college kids back then. At the end of 1970, the Brothers Four became national spokesmen for Dairy Queen ice cream. It meant going to L.A. to film national video spots and radio spots, as, as well as singing at a number of regional corporate meetings around the U.S. No matter how much I liked Dairy Queen ice cream, the fact was that at 23, I felt somehow by trying to sell it, I was selling out. And while I had not grown up imagining a musical career, I knew I'd been given an amazing opportunity. And as I got ready to turn 24, I think I felt somehow that time was running out. It was easy to find people to aspire to. There was John Denver, of course, who was going from folk group to superstar, One night during that time, I walked up to the box office of a Gordon Lightfoot concert. They had one ticket left in the front row. I sat enthralled and left inspired. James Taylor gave us Sweet Baby James in 1970. At the same time, Paul Simon was getting ready to leave his singing partner to find his own voice. Paul McCartney released his solo album. John Prine's first album was simply stunning. Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings each were beginning to watch their regional followings turn into national audiences. Chris Christopherson, the silver-tongued devil, emerged fully formed. Leonard Cohen was marvelous. Bob Dylan, mysterious. Joni Mitchell, magical. They all made it look easy. I was about to find out how hard it really was. The choice is up to you and the choice is up to me. If we don't 
put a little faith in humanity Then all the king's horses and all the king's men Won't put the world back together Together again Thanks for sharing one of those times in a life. At the next campfire, can't help but wonder where I'm bound. Hope to see you then.